0: Turn am waving your Bibles to Hebrews. We're actually going to be in in two chapters. If you want to just put your finger in, in both chapters, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter three and Hebrews chapter ten. We continue our our journey through this uh, series on membership and just talking about just talking about our commitment to the church and and uh, we've kind of reached the section of the series that's about our responsibilities and ha- and and this morning you know last week we kind of talked about our responsibility to have this have our own personal walk with Christ and that. There are things that fall to us personally to make sure that we do uh, to strengthen the church when we come together. But this morning, I want to talk about the importance of community and the importance of us being together and how it is really a, a thing that is desperately needed in all of our lives. You know, many people look at the church and they think, those are people that have it all together, or probably more of them think, well, those are people that think they have it all together. Um, but I would argue that the fact that we're here, if you really understand the gospel and what we come here for, uh, is because we know we don't have it all together, uh, that we know that we we need each other. And, you know, they, they level the criticism, hey, we're a bunch of hypocrites. Well, I would argue that we're at least a lot of people that know we're hypocrites, that know we need help that we need God and we need one another this morning I want us to talk about the privilege of church member membership from the standpoint that it meets a desperate need that we have in our lives as the hymnist wrote prone to wander lord I feel it you ever feel it do you feel that in your life you should because that is a part of who we are Even as Christians, and we'll talk about this, we have the old man that's still trying to pull us down, that's still trying to pull us away from God. We are prone to wander. And that's what we'll first look at, so the first half of the sermon's kind of drab. But then we will see, as the hymnist says, to bind the the, the prayer, the desperate prayer, out of that realization that i know that i feel that i'm prone to wander is uh bind my wandering heart to thee and and i would argue that one of the huge ways that god binds our wandering hearts is through being together at church and i want to prove that to you from hebrews chapters 3 and 10 We'll start reading in verses, uh, in chapter 3 and verse 7. It says, so as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my ways. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter into my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness we have come to share in christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end now, over in chapter 10 verse 19 i want us to, to read here as well there's there's a lot of kinship between these passages and and a, a, and, a, and a almost exact phrasing in some areas therefore brothers and sisters since we have confidence to enter the most holy place and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching i want to pray one more time this morning dear heavenly father god we are prone to wander we feel it and god we are in desperate desperate need of your gospel we're in desperate need of you and God we're in desperate need of each other in the church to remind us of the gospel and who you are and God I pray that you will begin to bind our hearts this morning and and deepen our commitment to our church here at Wyatt in Jesus name I pray amen so alone I would argue that we are prone to wander we find in Hebrews a lot of comparisons Mainly uh, cr- comparing Christ uh, to other things, specifically things, characters, and ways of doing things in the Old Testament. Okay? And, and, and the point is, is that Christ is better. He is supreme over all the things and the pictures and the characters in the Old Testament. Christ is above all that. He's more important than any of that, more powerful than any of that. But here in verses 7 through 12, we have really a comparison of the people of Israel in the Old Testament, specifically their time of wandering in the desert. And then he's comparing them to the people in the church. And I'm sorry to say he's not saying how much better we are than them. He's actually saying, y'all are just like them. You have this heart it constantly desires to go astray and and the fact of the matter is is that even when we are christians who have professed christ and we've received the spirit of god do you know that we still have the old flesh it's still in us it's still there it's still wanting to pull us away from our god now ultimately if we come to know christ we're safe we are safe in god's love obviously but there's an old self that wants to pull us away as much as it can from God and wants to keep us from growing in Christ as much as possible. Paul calls it in Ephesians 4, the old man. And in other places he calls it that as well. And in Romans seven twenty three, he's talking about the struggle. He says, but I see another law uh, at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. So even Paul uh, admits here that there is the old self that's pulling me away from God. And so listen to God, how God describes the Israelites here. He describes them as people that, are, that harden their hearts, uh, that test God, that have hearts that are always going astray. Um, they are those that, n- not knowing what God, uh, not knowing God's ways, uh, they have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from God. You know, we like to talk about those crazy Israelites who were seeing all these amer- amazing miracles, right? And yet still straying from God. And the reality is, is that we're them, and they're us. We are the same. That the same, the same rebellion that was in their hearts despite amazing things is within us threatening us trying to take us away from God so I want to I want to illustrate kind of three ways in which our our hearts uh, our hardness of hearts threaten us and then I want to talk about three ways in which the church comes in and answers those threats First of all, we have, there's a power uh, of our remaining hardness of heart. Verse 9 says, Where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. You get what God's saying there? He's saying they saw 10 crazy, miraculous plagues upon Egypt that led to their deliverance. They saw a sea parted. They walked across on dry ground and then I crushed their enemies with the water. They saw a pillar of of, uh, cloud by day. They saw a pillar of fire by night. They saw a manifestation of my presence. They saw a rock gush water when they desperately need it. They saw daily manna from the sky and many, many other great miracles. And yet what their eyes had seen was not enough to eclipse the evil that was in their hearts. You know, we always speak of the fact that, hey, if we just saw some, I mean, if God showed up on my way to work and sat beside me in the seat and told me to go witness to some people or told me to live for Him today, it would be so much easier for me to, to, to go do that. If he, saw, he just did some miracle on my way to work, then I would know that He's there. And the reality is, is that the Israelites show us that the human heart is so wicked that even in the midst of just obvious proof, we can still be hardened. We have an incredible magnetic pull away from our God, and the only miracle that overcomes that is the grace of God through the spirit of work that's within us. We see a power, a great power in our evil hearts to pull us away from God. We also see uh, the consistency of our remaining hardness of heart. It says in verse uh, 10, God said, Their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. The old man does not rest. The old man is seeking to pull us away from God. Our two-year-old Eden, you know, I I felt like all the other kids, there was just like this tether that they had, like they wouldn't go out of our sight. And Eden's like that some of the time until she's not. And she then just decides, I'm gone. And she would just take off out of our sight. I was at a funeral home. My uncle had passed away the other night, and I was talking to someone, and I just saw a blur go by me. I look, and I see mom's over here talking, and she just goes gone into the depths of the uh, funeral home and i am chasing after down all these hallways thinking any time i'm going to be like around a bunch of dead bodies and then freak out and she'll just do that sometimes she will just go and y'all in, in many ways i imagine that loving us is like loving a bunch of two-year-olds in that way that, that god sees us and man we're one minute we're right there with him and then the next minute we're gone and we're taken off this is us spiritually we're like two-year-olds that just take off no real plan no real sense of danger at what we're heading into i'm just going to go this way folks when when you and your family take a break from pursuing god through church For a bit. Do you think the old man just gives up in that moment? Do you think that Satan just says, you know, this isn't really a fair fight since you're not in church? I'll wait till you get back into church and then we'll engage in a fair fight. No. He's waiting for those moments where you fall out of church. He's waiting for those three or four Sundays that you miss in a row so that he can go to work on you and your kids. He's always fighting against us there can never be a truce with the old man within us or the devil outside of us the old man is always seeking to take us to a nice quiet place so that satan can devour us as john owen famously says in reference to romans eight thirteen, be killing sin or sin will be killing you there's no option other than to fight against the old man because he is always fighting against us. Then we also see a great danger of our remaining hardness of heart. There is a, a straying that's going to happen to all Christians. I, I believe it happens to, to me daily, and I think it happens to you daily, that there's just moments where we're not who we need to be. We're not living in our identity to Christ. I think, I think every day we have those moments. And there will be even be seasons of our life when we struggle with a certain sin. When we may even doubt the faith. We may even for a time look very much like an unbeliever. I think people can do that. Can so much stray that, you know, they're just confirmed. They've got to be an unbeliever. But God, by His grace, because of His promises to, to complete His work, will bring us back. He will pursue us and bring us back in pursuit of Him. But there is a straying in which, which has much more dire consequences. And I believe this talks about, this is talked about in verse 11. So I declared an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. How do you know that that moment of disengagement from God, from disengagement from His church, how do you know that that moment of disengagement isn't the moment that you are going to so far stray that you're never going to come back and therefore reveal that you've always had an unbelieving heart? I mean, that's what John talks about in 1 John 2, 19. Talk about some people in the church. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. John is saying here, yes, these folks, they looked like us. They sang with us. They did good deeds with us, but they were not of us because they have left the church. They've left the faith. And these weren't people that just went to another church. These are people that, by all indications, left the church in total. And And the issue isn't that they, somewhere along the way, lost the salvation that they had. No, he said they were never of us. And so, folks, we don't need to play around with just seasons off, with seasons of disengagement. We have to be very careful that those seasons are not going to reveal that we have all along had an unbelieving heart. Be careful. So what does our hearts tending to stray have to do with church membership? I believe it has everything to do with church membership. Because God, in his infinite knowledge of us, in his dealing with the Israel's uh, Israel and the wandering, he knew that he, we needed help, and so in his mercy and grace, he he not only saved us, he put us in church, and he put people around us to encourage us. And I believe that one of the greatest tools we have of fighting unbelief and disobedience is the church that God has given us. So together, I believe we bind our wandering hearts to Christ. This is, what, this, is, this is the turn that it takes here. See, in verse 12, in chapter 3, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another Daily as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. So so what is the solution given here when you feel your heart begin to stray? When you begin to detect a shallowness in your heart, is it, go, is it to go to the book Christian bookstore and get the bestseller? No, because it's probably not very good. Most of the... Number one Christian sellers aren't that great. Just, just know that. Is it, uh, is it to go and, hey, I just got to turn on some K-Love and drive around in my car and feel, feel close to God again? And is it even, hey, I just need to have quiet time. I just need to hey, get in the Word every day and pray. That can obviously help. That's obviously a good thing. But the antidote given here against an unbelieving heart is encourage one another. And encourage one another daily. God seems to be indicating that there is a major way in which being with a group of believers has a profound effect on continuing in the belief of God. Hebrews uh uh, 1023, it's, this backs it up even more it says let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for we uh for he who promises faithful okay so hold on unswervingly to the hope we profess how do we do that and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. not giving up meeting together don't give it up it's vital Don't ever give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So first, when we gather, we share in Christ one another, right? We share Christ. If we are to encourage one another regularly, we need to know the specifics of how are we to encourage one another. When given the opportunity to encourage, what do I point to? Do we just send each other empty platitudes? God helps those who help themselves. Or generic cheers, you can do it! Or maybe just stick to the coffee mug verses and hey, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Well, I think the context of these verses are very clear that the gospel is that central thing that we encourage one another with. It's Him. It's Christ. Verse 14, we have come to share in Christ. Our encouragement is not in a set of laws or trying harder. It's in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. We point each other to Christ. Hebrews 10 has even unpacked this before. It gets to that point of encouraging one another. It just unpacks the gospel. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of who? Of Jesus. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain. That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, who's that? Jesus, the high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Folks, as powerful as the flesh can be, as powerful as the flesh can be in, in, in a God that you just saw, split a ocean, split a sea so that you could walk through on dry ground, you just turned around, saw your enemies vanquished by that water, and then you test that God? Like that's the power of evil that's in our hearts? As powerful as that is, let me tell you something, it does not hold a candle to the spirit of Christ that is within the believer. There's a power within us that will vanquish the old man. Our old, identif- our old identity is awful in every way compared to our new identity in Christ. Romans eight eleven says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Does any power in us stand a chance against that kind of power? The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives within us. No power stands a chance. The problem is, is when we forget. When we forget our identity. When we forget what Christ has done. When we forget the spirit that's living within us to give us strength. And that's why we need one another and we need one another regularly when we gather we consistently call one another back to christ unavoidable in these two texts in hebrews is the fact that encouragement of church members should be regular you know we don't have a prescribed number here us as a church uh, we have sunday mornings where we all gather for worship we have uh, Sunday school and connection groups for people to meet together uh, in smaller groups to study the word and to fellowship, to encourage one another. Uh, we have Wednesday nights uh, where it's, we have such great youth programs and Awana programs that it's almost all hands on deck here to, to serve those children. And we have a prayer group that meets that night as well. You know, it's not a daily, we don't ask for daily. It, it, a lot of times it seems like in the early church it was daily, that there was some daily contact. And must you be involved in every, every single meeting that the church has to be a faithful Christian? Well, probably not, but I've I read this week that I'm in this weird, like from 1977 to like the early 80s, I'm like a, a, in a weird generation, I'm like in the in-between generation and, uh, and so now I consider myself an expert, right? I can look at both generations and be critical, right? Um, not really. But I've talked to my pastor friends, we've talked and we've seen a slide in, in commitment, especially in attendance. And, and one thing we've talked about is kind of the generation behind us um, a committed church member was someone who was there every time. Like if you weren't like on your deathbed, and maybe you took a Sunday off in the summer to go on vacation, but a lot of people would, would go to church and then leave for vacation. There was just a, a a deep level of commitment of being here. Now, we we've talked about how that also wasn't always great because a lot of that was based on, hey, I, if that is my one commitment to God is I'm going to be here. There wasn't a lot of heartfelt uh, draw to be here. It was just like this is my duty as a Christian to be here when the churches are open. And so if I'm here, God's pleased with me. If I'm not here, God's displeased with me. And, and that's, though the commitment was awesome, the, uh, it's not necessarily a healthy view. I remember when I first came to y, I have a lot of this in me as well because i remember having a stomach virus and we had a cry room in the back of the old building and i snuck in after the church had began and laid down in the pews in the cry room there was no one back there just so i could listen in to the service and then i headed back home at the end just because i felt like i was letting god down if i wasn't here with the stomach virus that's dumb okay but i look back and and uh and that generation is still around, and um, that's my parents' generation who just, was, they're here, and, and they were just so careful to make sure that I, I was there and that I, I was it was important to them. And, and then we have kind of the, the newer generation that, like, gives lip service. They will tell you how, and I'm speaking in huge generalities here, folks. I'm not... I'm not saying everybody from these generations are like this, but when you look at the newer generation, they give a lip service that, hey, I love the church. man. I love God. I love the church. Man, it's so hard to get them here. And as pastors, we're just kind of like, you know, what's going on here? What's going on here? You know, when us pastors tell you you need to be here, it, it, it isn't... Is it some kind of game for us? We say, hey, you need to be in church. It's not about us padding our numbers so we can go to our preacher friends and say what we average on a Sunday. That's not what we're about. It's about the fact that we care for you and we're shepherds of your soul. And when you're not here, we feel like it's dangerous for your soul. And if we're to believe Hebrews, it is dangerous for your soul. And so I'm longing for a a new generation. I'm praying for a new generation who will have the commitment of the old and who who will have a heart that the new has of of at least saying that this is, oh, I love being here, even though they're not. I I want both. I want the commitment of the old and the heart of the new to come together and to be here, not because God's going to hate us if we're not in church, but because they want to be here. They want to be here to worship God. They want to be here to encourage the brethren. Let us pray that God would do that in our hearts. Just be careful. This, is, this speaks of the habit of not meeting together. Listen, if you, if you take a Sunday off for vacation, God doesn't hate your family. He's not displeased with you. But if you're in the habit where you just go through seasons when your family's in church maybe once a month or once every five, six weeks, there is something wrong. And you're opening your family to all kinds of danger despite what sporting events and how nice the weather is. Church must remain a priority. When we gather, we gain confidence in Christ. While we should certainly be aware that that there is a straying that can be so extreme that it indicates that we're not a believer, we also see from these verses that there's a lot of confidence as well. That the majority, in, in fact, of the Christian life should be in confidence. Verse 19 in verse uh, chapter 10 we have confidence to enter into the most holy place let us draw near in verse 22 let us draw near to god with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings verse 23 let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for we for he who prof- promised is faithful uh, then it then it indicates in verse 4 that we are to at uh, 24, to, to spur one another on in this, that we draw deep confidence from one another. and We are here to encourage one another, to, to remind one another of the truth. This is how we get to the end, by holding each other close. If I were to ask you, why, why do you sing on Sunday mornings? If you sing, you should sing. Why do you do it? most of us would say to worship god and to to, to pour out my heart and, and to just to to have joy in god and that's all true in fact that's primary did you know there's another reason at play in ephesians 5 19 it says this speaking to one another with psalms hymns and songs from the spirit sing and make music from your heart to the lord always giving thanks to the god Uh, To God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This verse says that we are speaking to one another as we sing to God. We are here not only to worship God, but to encourage one another through our singing. Folks, we come here on Sunday morning to know that we're not alone. We come here not because we are good people, but the opposite, to remember that we're bad people with a good, gracious God. We come here to hear the gospel again and 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 again. That's how we get to the end. That's how we persevere under the preaching of the gospel under our brothers and sisters, singing the gospel to us. One of my favorite phrases the military has is, leave no man behind. Man, that's macho. Let's say it, it just fires me up. And that should be our attitude with each other. We're all going to get there. We're all going to per- persevere to the end because we're going to help each other persevere to the end. That if you stray in such a way that would indicate you were never of us, it will be over my dead body as I, as your Christian brother or sister, beg you not to go. So We need each other to get to the end. And to have confidence every day that we are among that number who know Christ. Folks, we desperately need one another. God, God has graciously given us a new heart in Christ. This is our true identity, but the old man is still at work. Calling us back away from our God. And without regularly being with one another, we are prone to wander. But if we would commit ourselves to one another, we will find our hearts bound to Christ. I don't know where you are in your commitment to God and His church. Maybe you're someone that never misses, and thank God for people that never miss. But maybe you could pray a little more throughout the week for the church and... and, and Maybe you can get involved in a, in a connection group or get involved in, in something else. Maybe you can deepen your level of commitment. Some of you need to just really sit down and, and ask us, how, how much are we really in church? Because I think some people just don't really, the new generation, there's no clues they don't know that they're only in church about once a month. Maybe just sit down and think about how often you do miss. You know, we're in flu season, the Bible does not say we are to share that with one another, okay? I understand that. I understand sickness. I understand at moments you've got to get out of town. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a, a habit where, you know, it's been a busy week. I just not had any time to myself, so I'm going to stay home today. Or, hey, it's baseball season, and we're really busy with that, so we'll see you in three months. That we we need to deep, deepen our level. We need to demonstrate for our children that this is important, that we need one another. I want to make you aware uh, just of a couple events that are coming up in the next two months. Um, February 25th, we have a big men's meeting that's going to happen here on Sunday night, and I would encourage you to be here. We're going to kind of call you to some action, call you to some great things, uh, some good plans for this year. We're going to be Spend time in the Word. We're going to have some fun as well. Uh, have some good food. So, men, uh, please be here for that. And then we're going to have a communion service March 11th. And, and uh, you know, I know a lot of times Sunday night services just tend to be just kind of there, right? Like we need a business meeting. So, we'll do a few things and have a business meeting. Um, March 11th, we just want to have. A really amazing service where we pray for one another uh, where we uh, we hear the word proclaimed and, and we come together and do communion um, just put everything it's going to be less formal than Sunday morning but it's going to have all the excellence of Sunday morning and we want you to make a commitment to be here because this may become a monthly event at our church and so the first one of those will be uh, March 11th and, and you'll hear more about that as it comes but This is a great moment to do so much of what this text talks about, of encouraging one another, hearing the gospel, praying with one another. And I would encourage you to be a part of that service next month on on March 11th. I'm going to ask you to please stand as our musicians come and let's pray. Dear only Father, God, I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I thank you for the church because I need it. God, I need it. I, myself, as a pastor, desperately needs to know that I'm not alone. That there's others who believe and are hoping in Christ. And, and God, I pray that you will make us a church where we are committed to one another. Where we are dedicated to one another. That we are... Make every effort to be here. God, move in our hearts, deepen our level of commitment for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.